Welcome to Heritage. I add my greetings to uh, what Scott already shared, and um, it's great to have you here. And this morning, I want to talk with you about sowing and reaping, all right? Sowing and reaping. In fact, I want you to know that you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. And we're going to talk about what that means this morning. But before we jump into today's message, I'd like to make a statement about last Sunday's message. Uh, so for those of you who were not here, as part of an illustration, I referred to my wife as a little old lady. Uh, for those of you that were here, you would remember. For those of you that weren't, you can go back. Now you will want to go back and listen, right? Um, and I do appreciate it. I even got one this morning. The many expressions of sympathy <laughs> that I received after the morning service. And uh, for those of you who offered places to stay <laughs> Sunday night, uh, I even had a shed in someone's backyard <laughs> offered to me to use. Um, but uh, thank you all very much. I appreciate that. And, uh, but I do want everyone to know that Jane and I are okay. <laughs> um, we really are. And uh, we're, we're good. Um, and I did sleep in my own bed. Sunday night, and actually slept very well. Um, but as I was studying this week, uh, thinking about my message, uh, praying through my preparation, I had this thought. That entire scenario that unfolded last Sunday morning, um, my statement to Jane, right, and, and, and the reaction of many who were sitting here thinking, Oh boy, he did it now. He's in deep weeds and uh, just wait till he gets home, right? Um, that whole thing perfectly illustrates the principle of sowing and reaping. Are you with me? That illustrates perfectly that. The, uh, I sowed a statement that might have reaped the consequences of a night on the couch, right? But that's not what happened. Um, I did reap what I sowed, but in a different way than you might think. Because of the years of building an open and honest relationship with Jane, she knows me well enough to know when I'm serious and when I'm not, and that sometimes goofy things do come out of my mouth. <laughs> She's aware of that after 47 years. And uh, so I was able, as a result, to reap the benefits of a healthy marriage, no anger, a few laughs Sunday afternoon as we talked about it, and, uh, and an enjoyable dinner together that evening. So really, we're good. And, um, and, and that is a very basic illustration of the principle that you will reap 
what you sow. You will reap what you sow. And I hope that does make sense this morning. Sowing and reaping are simply cause and effect. Really, that's what it is. Cause and effect. You will reap what you sow. There is no question about it. So let's dig into this principle and see how Paul applies it to what we talked about last Sunday morning. You remember? Jesus told the 12 men who were his closest friends and followers on the face of the earth uh, that if they wanted to be great, they needed to learn to be servants. Servants. They needed to understand that serving is an essential part of all that we do as followers of Jesus. And so for the next few weeks, just like you saw Beth this morning talking about our children's ministry, Heritage Kids and Awana, we're going to be taking the opportunity each Sunday morning to have somebody here as part of a ministry of Heritage that will make you aware of opportunities that are available for you to serve. And so we're going to be doing that. So we didn't just bring Beth up here to uh, show um, object lessons and all of the rest of that, but so that you'd be aware there are needs. There are needs in Heritage Kids. There are needs in Awana. And if Reed was here, he would shout a loud amen And uh, as, as we begin in a couple of weeks with that. So please open your Bibles as we roll into this this morning to uh, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 7 to 10. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 10. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you don't have a phone with a Bible app or, or a tablet, underneath the chair in front of you, there should actually be a hard copy of a Bible that's there. If you'd like to use that Bible, in that Bible, it's page 813, 813, and that is available for you. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Um, And so here we go, verse 7. Paul starts out by saying, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. What Paul is saying to the people there is don't be misled. Don't be deceived. Don't be misled. Make no mistake about it. God can't be mocked. That literally means to turn your nose up. At God. That's the wording. Don't think you can turn your nose up at God. Do what you want. Think how you want. Act how you want. And the truth of this principle won't take place. He's saying you better take this seriously because then here's the statement. You will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. That's a principle that God has given. It is all around us, everywhere you look. I illustrated that very basically for you as I began this morning. But you will reap what you sow. And we're going to really dig into that. And I hope you'll grab hold of that. I hope, I pray the Spirit of God will grip your heart with that truth because it will make a difference in your life. Now, in the text, the terms sowing and reaping 
are, are used in this way. Sowing has to do with the actions that we take, the, the, our conduct, how we live, the things that we say, the attitudes that we express. We're sowing always, just as we live from day to day. The reaping have to do with consequences. Uh, A harvest, Paul talks about a harvest. There will also be, it could be judgment, and we'll we'll address that as we moved on. But the the reaping is based on the sowing or the the actions, our conduct, how we live will bring about consequences. It might be a harvest, it will be a judgment, and that's based upon how we live our lives. Reaping, right, is based on sowing. Our actions, the way we live our lives, will have consequences. There will always be a harvest. Whether it's the kind of harvest we want to talk about or not, that's the difference. And that has to do with the way we sow. And those consequences will be made known. The reaping will be revealed at one of two judgments that everyone in this room today will one day experience. Either as a believer standing before the Lord at what we call the judgment seat of Christ, and we've talked about that in recent days, or if you don't know the Lord, maybe one day, if it remains that way, at the great white throne judgment, and that's not a good place to be. And so Paul continues, verse 8, whoever sows to please their flesh, whoever lives their lives in such a way that it's about me, it's about my desires, my flesh. That's what Paul, the flesh here has to do with everything that pleases me, everything that I want, the things that I enjoy, the pleasures of this life. And he says, whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Now Paul is constantly illustrating in these four verses the sowing and reaping concept. So if you sow, you live your life in such a way that all you're concerned about is pleasing your flesh, you'll reap destruction. What's he mean there? Well, we're talking about death. Paul goes back, if you want to look at it, in chapter 5. We should be in Galatians chapter 6, but if you backed up a chapter... Chapter 5 and verse 19, this is what he says. The acts of the flesh. Now, we just talked about, okay, he says, if you sow to please the flesh. And he's defining it here. The acts of the flesh, verse 19 of chapter 5, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. In other words, this is not an exhaustive list. There's a whole lot more, but he just gives you a list. And then he says, verse 21, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Now, if you're sitting here looking at, the, at, at that verse and you're looking at that, that, that list of what we would say, yes, sins, or as Paul calls them, acts of the flesh, we ought to be concerned to say because, huh, I've been jealous. Boy, does that mean I'm not going to heaven? Because Paul said, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What about hatred? Boy, I, I know, I remember a guy cut me off in my car once, and I was so mad and angry, I, I yelled in hatred. Or we might look at that fits of rage, selfish, and but we said, man, I, I'm guilty of some of those. But, and if I am, it says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, let me put you at ease, because the key is what Paul says those who live like this, that is their regular lifestyle. That is a pattern of life, habits of life. It is not once in a while here or there, but when that is what characterizes our life, when the, the acts of the flesh are there all the time, every time we turn around, boom, it's there, that's who Paul's talking about, says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who live to please themselves, and I'm not talking about every once in a while when we mess up or when we're doing something that is not in keeping with pleasing God. Those who please themselves are those who do not know Jesus. Now again, you say, well, I know I know Jesus, but there are times when I do live for myself. Okay, again, it's not talking about once or twice here or there. It's talking about those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you go back to verse 8, he says, they will reap destruction. What is that? Death. Death and hell. It's not annihilation. doesn't mean your body is just going to be all burned up and it's over and done with. No, no, no. That's not the picture that we get in Scripture and in the Bible of what hell is all about. But that's what he says. Those who live to please themselves will reap death. You sow for yourself, you will reap death. Why? Because you're not concerned about what God says is important in this life. But then he goes on, the second part of verse 8, and he said, whoever sows to please the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit will reap eternal life. In other words, we live our lives in a way that pleases the Holy Spirit of God, God himself. We will inherit eternal life. And the only way that's possible is as we shared, we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus went to the cross to give his life, to die in our place for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we don't have to face death in hell, destruction because we've just lived for us. We can live for God, the Holy Spirit of God, by living in such a way that pleases him. Galatians chapter 5, again, if you're still there, verse 16. Because chapter 5 is setting up all that's going on in chapter 6 of Galatians. And verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
Say, well, how do I overcome that living for the flesh, living for myself? Well, you live for God. That's what he says. He says, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. What's he mean? Do the things that please the Spirit of God. Live in such a way that people say to you, man, something's different. What is it? Man, I saw you on, on your, at your job the other day. And uh, the boss came up to you, and man, he ripped you up one side and down the other, and it was something that you really didn't even do. It wasn't your fault, and you just were like, listened, and you didn't react. You didn't explode. You didn't have fits of rage. You didn't have hatred. You didn't have selfish ambition. You just took it. What in the world? Or maybe you're a student. And you're involved in an athletic team. And you're on the football field or the basketball court or the volleyball court or the baseball, wherever, the soccer field. And, and, and you get a bad call against you. And the ref is there. And it was obvious that he was wrong and you, you didn't cause, a, you didn't live, you didn't foul anybody. And yet that's the, and you just said you turned around and walked away. What in the world? Who does that? He says, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Because if you go up from verses 22 to 23, and we read the fruit of the Spirit, and that's where, and, and you may be familiar, you may not, but Paul says the fruit of the Spirit. When we say fruit, you can't get away from that picture of a tree of some kind, at least in my mind. But yeah, that's true. But what he's saying is the works or the deeds that are seen in your life, the visible expression of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in your life, they will show, as Paul says in verses 22 and 23, he says, love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things happen in our lives when we live not for ourselves, but when we say, God, I'm here today. I'm going to please you with my life. And I want people to look at my life, and I want them to see the evidence. I want them to see the works. I want them to see the fruit of the presence of God in my life. And Paul says, when we live to please the Spirit from the Spirit, we will reap life eternal. Life everlasting. Listen, while works don't save us, we talked about that last week. If you're here today and, and what I'm saying is like, I'm not sure, what do you mean, this God thing, this religion thing, I, isn't it about just being good and, and doing good works for people and doing things that are kind and like that list of things? Isn't, doesn't that get you to heaven? Because if I have more of the good things over here than I have the bad things over here, if the good outweighs the bad, then, then I'm good. I'm going to heaven. When I die, God's going to say, yeah, I see your... No. No. Because there's no amount of good works. And here's where I got myself in trouble last week. <laughs> Not really, right? But this is what I was talking about. There's no amount of good things that you or I can do that's going to get us to heaven. None. 
But what, James, what Paul is saying here is what we sow, our works are indicators of our heart and of our status before God. And what we will reap, our final standing before God is determined by our relationship with Jesus Christ. Did you, did you get that? Understand what we will reap based on what we've sown in our lives, what we reap, our final standing before God, when we're before God and He's making the decision, that will be determined by our relationship with Jesus Christ, that He has declared us right before God, and that's got nothing to do with how many good works we do in our life. It has everything to do with believing that Jesus died on the cross because that's the only way my sin could be forgiven. He took my place. He paid the debt that I owed, that I deserved, death in hell. And because God loved me, Jesus died for me. And when I believe, I'm forgiven and my life is changed. And we call that salvation. And I said last week, I, I have to say it again, that's all about Jesus Christ. As I was studying, one of the things we've been doing, some talking and, as a staff and talking about communication, how we say what we say, what we say, and, and we've talked about it, it's critical that, uh, that we call them five C's, that what we say is true, what we say is, is clear, what we say is concise, what we say is Christ-centered, but one of those also, you said, wait a minute, C is true. That's not a C. I know, but we call it the five C's. So, <laughs> see, it works, right? We know. But, but the, the fifth one is compelling. Compelling. And I was sitting, thinking this week, praying this morning even, Lord, I, I don't know that I have anything compelling. What, I'm, I don't have any fancy, great, drama, emotionally moving illustration to, to make this message compelling. And it's like as clear as day, God says, Glenn, the love of God to the person of Jesus Christ and that he transforms our lives, it doesn't get more compelling than that. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, God loves, compels us. Because if we know people are dying and going to hell, we need to tell them about Jesus. The fact that he changed us, forgave us, and saved us, it doesn't get more compelling. And the compelling truth of this is that's why we serve. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Don't get me wrong. We don't serve primarily because Beth told the story of the need in our children's ministry. Oh yeah, that's, a, that's an outcome. We don't serve because we don't, we, we, we have, if we, can't, if we can't get you to do something and then we're going to have to stop that ministry. That, that's not why we serve. We serve because Jesus saved us. He forgave our sin. 
You see, our standing before God, our salvation is revealed by our works. Revealed by how we live our life. Revealed by what we sow and how we live our lives. Judgment is coming. So keep working. And, and I want to make sure when we talk about the crowns that you can earn uh, or the rewards, we've talked about that in the last week or two, the rewards, th- this isn't about guilt. When Jesus lays out all of what we stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ, it's not to be judged for our sin, it's to be simply rewarded for how we've lived our lives. Now, it does paint the possibility in 1 Corinthians 3 that if we haven't lived our lives for, for God, but we are saved, and, and that's, that's one of those hard things. How can that be? And yet, Paul paints the picture of somebody who is a believer, and yet everything that they've done since they came to know Jesus Christ is burned up. A wasted life, and yet a saved life. Wow. I don't know. And he says, Paul says, we will suffer loss as a result of that so he says let us not verse 9 become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up he's saying don't get weary he 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 means don't lose heart or discourage that's really the word there you ever been involved in doing something for God, ministering in a church or, or living your life for God and you're discouraged about it? You're, you've lost heart and so, eh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Things didn't go the way I wanted and so mm, I think I'll just, I've been at it enough. I'll just let it go. Listen, for the farmer... And and the illustration of sowing and reaping here for the farmer, there's a lot of hard work that's still required between sowing and reaping. Jane grew up on a farm. Okay, it's okay. I'm not going to say anything else, right? (laughs) And, And we lived out in Iowa. I went to college out in Iowa and then pastored a church in Iowa for two and a half years and then moved to Illinois. It was Chicago, but I had a lot of friends who lived downstate in the farming area. And let me tell you, when they plant the crops, actually they say it this way, when they put the crops in, they mean the seed in the ground. They sow the seed. Whenever that is, depending on the weather, they don't get the crops out. In other words, reap, harvest the fruit of those crops until sometime in the fall. There's a lot of months in between, and there's a lot of hard work that goes on between sowing and reaping. Once they get the seed in the ground, they've got to put out the fertilizer. They've got to put out the weed stuff to make sure the field doesn't get overtaken. And then when the crops begin to grow out there, the corn and soybeans, they've got to make sure that the weeds do. And then they've got to do this thing with the corn called detasseling corn so it does what it's supposed to do. And they've got to, before they can even get the seed, I mean, it's like on and on. It never stops. It's sun up to sun down. And then before they can actually get the crops in, they're out there midnight 
till midnight, sun up. I mean, I'm beyond. Before the sun rises, the tractors got their lights and they're out there with their combines and all the rest of it. It's a ton of work. And if they say, you know what, this is just too hard. Got the seed in the ground. But I don't know. I don't. Uh. There's not been a lot of rain, and I just don't know what's going to happen. And he says, don't get weary. Don't get discouraged. And then he says, don't give up. For at the proper time, at the harvest time, when it's time, when it's God's appointed time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't faint. Don't fall down. Don't quit. Be patient. And just like the farmer, we wait. The farmer doesn't put the seed in the ground and then sit out there in his lawn chair and watch the fields till October. Right? No. He says you got to stay at it. Be patient. Wait on the Lord. Keep working. And God will take care. Listen, there's only one thing that will hinder the harvest, what Paul says here. Do you see it? Only one thing will hinder the harvest. That's if we give up. That's if we give up. That's what he says. Don't give up. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Don't give up. He says, as we have opportunity, let us do good. What's he saying? Keep sowing. Keep living your life in such a way that when it's time, that when the opportunity comes, you're ready to go. You're ready to serve. You're ready to sow. You're ready to work. You're ready to live your life in a way that lives for God and not for the flesh, not for yourself. And he says, as we have opportunity, he doesn't say, as we have time. The idea there, opportunity means time, yes, but when there's a need, when there's an opportunity... When it's time, when there's something that we that needs to be done, we are there. He said, let us do good to all people, especially to those who know Jesus. That's why John said in chapter 13 and verse 34 and 35, he says, here's how everybody will know that you love Jesus. It's the way you love one another. They'll know that you're really a follower of Jesus when you love God's people. That's what we're seeing here. He said, especially those, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Keep at it. Keep doing good because if we don't faint, if we don't give up, there will be a harvest. So what's the bottom line? Well, Paul says... He tells us in, in Romans, he says, listen, each of us will one day have to give an account of ourselves to God. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to believe it. But that's the principle. Each of us will one day give an account to God. That's the same thing. You will reap what you sow. That's what that means. We will one day give an account. 
when we stand before God, either at the judgment seat of Christ or as one who doesn't know God at the great white throne judgment, we will give an account. So I ask you this, two questions as we end. What are you sowing? Really, we're just simply saying, how are you living your life? For me, the things that I want, the things that make me happy, the things that encourage me, the things that give me purpose and meaning and satisfaction, or are we living it for the Spirit of God? Are we living for God? Are we living in a way that points people to our Heavenly Father that says as they watch us and see us live, they go, man, something's different. And when they ask, we go, yes, it's for God. I'm letting my light shine for God. The second question, what kind of harvest will you reap? You see, the sowing determines the answer to that question. What kind of harvest will you reap determines what you're sowing. It's that simple. That's, that's the principle. That's the unchanging, absolute principle. The way we live our lives determines the harvest we'll reap. So what are you sowing? What kind of harvest will you reap? 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Paul says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always, always, always give yourselves fully to the work of of the Lord. Always give yourselves fully, completely, wholeheartedly to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know what he's saying? There will be a harvest. You may not think so, but there will be a harvest. Keep working. Keep laboring. Keep serving. There will be a harvest. Why? Because you will reap what you sow. How are you living your life today? Father, we have needs at Heritage, our ministries. We, we need people to use the abilities that God's given them, to use their time and resources. But, oh God, I pray that the motivating, driving truth in our lives will be, I want to serve because Jesus saved me, because Jesus forgave my sin, because Jesus transformed my life. Because I'm not my own. He's bought and paid for me with the blood of Jesus Christ that he gave on the cross. Oh God, help us to live so that harvest one day comes in. Not just on this earth, but when we stand before our God in heaven. Oh God, help us to never forget 
that we will reap what we sow. Help us to do it for God. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.